to mind ourselves that it's uh, what's called Passion Tide, that's the term that's used, let me read some verses. When the days drew near for him to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They took branches and palm trees and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a prelude to Good Friday and we'll be thinking about that this coming week. So may we pray together. It's good to have the Romanian contingent here. Good to see you, Julian and the rest. Uh, and we'll have an opportunity to chat later on, no doubt. Well, may we pray together now. Just think of this day and so many people, not only in great cathedrals, but in the marketplace and in the streets and small communities reminding ourselves of the momentous events of Palm Sunday and Lord we want to see beyond merely the tradition more than simply an event in the Christian calendar but to celebrate and yet to struggle, to rejoice, and yet to experience a measure of sorrow. And we ask that you'll help us as we thank you for that supreme sacrifice. Thank you that you went before us so that we might know what it is to be redeemed. Lord Jesus, we greet your coming. You're the pilgrim Messiah, you're the servant king. Lord Jesus, help us to follow you. You rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, a symbol of humility and lowliness. often mocking even our dreams of pomp and glory. And you continue to show us the way of humble service, which is the way of true greatness, exemplified by you. And the cries of Hosanna turn to crucify. The acclamation of the crowds gave way to fear and contempt. And you still continue to challenge us to follow you. So Lord, we ask that you will help us as we live out our lives in a great deal of the mundane and the routine. And we ask that we might have an awareness of your living presence with us in all the highs and lows of our experience. And Lord, we have shared briefly now of our concern for folk who are an integral part of this church. We are 
very mindful of the frailty of older people and we think of the carers how challenging and demanding that is and can be so often and Lord we would ask that we might be part of a healing community not only that ability to get alongside but to encourage and help and support for surely Lord we have cause to remind ourselves that our mortality our, is, is, is frail and it's a great leveler for all of us that none of us know what is before us Lord we pray that the Good Friday with all of its harrowing encounter will give way to the new life of the resurrection so we stand poised tonight to thank you for the way that you take us through hard times and you stay with us we journey together and you are with us always for those of us who have unique challenges not only in terms of health but work and pressure with family give added grace to added challenges and Lord for those who face unique difficulties this coming week and even those on holiday that we take our anxieties and our stress with us so often even in church we know that we are to bring our burdens to you but oftentimes we take them with us would you unburden us would you lighten our Lord so in all these things would your kingdom come and your will be done and ask now Lord Jesus that you would speak to us through your living word and give us light and understanding we pray for Jesus sake Amen, Amen. Uh, we're going to read Revelation 22 and if you turn to that please it's a final chapter in this um, journey that we have embarked upon of these past six weeks and uh, the river of life Revelation 22 let's listen to and um, follow with me if you have, have a Bible as we think of this climax to fascinating, intriguing and sometimes bewildering book Revelation 22 then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations no longer will there be any curse the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and the servants will serve him they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads there will be no more night they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun 
for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever the angel said to me these words are trustworthy and true the Lord the God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place behold I am coming soon blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book I John am the one who heard and saw these things and when I had heard and seen them I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me but he said to me do not do it I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers the prophets and of all who keep the words of this book worship God then he told me do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near let him who does wrong continue to do wrong let him who is vile continue to be vile let him who does right continue to do right let him who is holy continue to be holy behold I am coming soon my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last the beginning and the end blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life or may go through the gates into the city outside the dogs those who practice magic arts the sexually immoral the murderer the idolater and everyone who loves and practices falsehood I Jesus have sent my angel to you this testimony for the churches I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star the spirit and the bride say come and let him who hears say come whoever is thirsty let him come and whoever wishes let him take the fruit the take the free gift of the water of life I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book if anyone adds anything to them God will add to him the plagues described in this book and if anyone takes away from this book the prophecy God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book he who testifies to these things says yes I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. First of all, uh, a word of thanks for staying the course. I think it was a moment of madness to try to do Revelation in six, but we've tried at least 
It's not been a particularly easy journey and I guess there's lots of the jigsaw pieces still missing. So how has it left you? Are you uh, confused more? Or is there greater degree of disagreement? Or maybe you're more informed about this intriguing book of Revelation. Little wonder some people unintentionally call it Revelations because it seems to be a bit like that. Or are you informed and perhaps even inspired? Well, um, I hope more of the latter than the former. So here we are. What I would like us to do tonight is to pose a question first of all. We tried in six weeks and it's not been easy. I appreciate that. But what will we take from Revelation? What will we take from it that um, we didn't have before or now we'll have a, a bigger or a, or a clearer view of some of these um, issues that come out of this book. So let me suggest four. Hopefully we will take these from this brief uh, study that we've had. The first is the reference to the bride. Now, we at least have come to know that the bride represents those who belong to the Lamb, who are clothed in white linen, using these uh, symbols of forgiveness and cleansing. She's making herself ready for the wedding banquet. And you've got the references there. For the sake of time, we won't read these. Um, beautifully dressed for her husband. She longs to be his wife and calls him to come quickly. That's the great climax, in a way, as you have it there in uh, Revelation 22, our reading. So the bride, the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God. Then secondly, the judgment. This isn't light on that. The judgment is real, and we've said salvation runs on a parallel line with judgment, and they never meet. Uh, we sit lightly on this, particularly in this type of society in which we live, and yet in, in clear terms the judgment is highlighted in uh, Revelation uh, 20, as we think about our opponent, the devil, who wants to trip us up all the time. That the devil shares in that faith his last attempt to deceive the nations has failed. You have that in Revelation 27 to 10. Uh, I was tempted to have um, Martin Luther's great hymn. It's coming out of the Reformation from the 15th century uh, to the great German two nine Testament. It's a great uh, classic um, in terms of the, the momentous events of the Reformation. And this, this is the way that he spoke of the devil. Let me just read part of the hymn to you. It goes like this. He says, we have a safe stronghold in God. And then he poses the question. Uh, you'll have to concentrate on the language. And were this world all devils or, and watching to devour us, we lay it not to heart so sore, nor 
they can overpower us. This is how he speaks about the devil. And let the prince of ill look grim as there he will, he harms us not a whit. For why? His doom is writ. A word will quickly slay him. Then one part of the, the other verse of this great hymn. God's word for all their craft and force, one moment will not linger. But spite of hell shall have its course, tis written with his finger. You think of the finger of God and the law of God. And then he speaks about the great suffering that uh, reformers had. And think of the great suffering of Christians throughout the world today. And he says this, And though they take our life, goods, honor, children, wife, yet is their profit small. These things shall vanish all. This one conviction, the city of God remaineth. And of course he's got that focus on, on revelation. Then the third is the new creation. I don't know how you picture this. The new creation. Um, the new Jerusalem coming down from God. The new earth. The city shines with the glory of God. And the nations walk in its light. It's, yes, some of it is imagery. Is it literal? Is it poetic? How do we see it? The curse is no more. And God's servants will serve him and reign with him. And it's interesting, and we come to this, when the Bible speaks about heaven, the best way that it can put it is in the negative. What won't be there? What it won't be like? And all the things that ravage our lives, death and sorrow and disease and conflict and misunderstanding will be banished. And then the fourth thing, which again is a loss, ingredient among Christian people today and I confess I'm part of that how often do we think about the Lord's coming and this force that comes out quite clearly as a climax I'm coming soon well what is soon three times in this final chapter in Revelation you see it 22 in chapter 22 7 12 and 20 the second coming of Jesus has been a message that has dominated the book and the response of the bride is not... I, I was thinking, how would you illustrate this? Just think, if there's two couples in our church getting married this year, and they, you, you, know, you, you, you put the questions to them, and you say, will you have this man, this woman, to be a lawful wedded husband or wife, to have and to hold? And they say, yeah, uh, okay. I mean, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Say, oh, I need to think about that. Not very sure. Well, you say, go away and think about it and come and so that you say, I will, I do, without hesitation. And, and you've got this idea of the bride and the receptiveness there saying, come, come Lord Jesus, come. No hesitation. So in fact, then the purpose of Revelation is, if we, and I know we've said people have got bogged down in detail and, and so on and so forth, which hasn't been helpful and sometimes positively unhelpful. Yet the purpose of Revelation is to encourage believers to be unceasingly faithful to their Lord even during times of persecution. And if I may quote another uh, German theologian, this time Bonhoeffer, imprisoned under the uh, Third Reich and the Gestapo, and of course he died just when 
war, the end of the war was declared. Bonhoeffer, quoting from the book The Cost of Discipleship, and this is what he said in his, uh, these writings, his prison writings. The church has never forgotten Christ's promise of his imminent return. And she has always believed that this promise is true. This is what he then says. The exact manner of its fulfillment remains obscure. But that is not a problem for us to solve. Don't speculate. This much is clear and all important for us today. That the return of Jesus will take place suddenly. And again that theme comes out, as you know, uh, in, in Revelation. So, this book, it is not an evangelical crystal ball. Some people have used it like that and folk have become terribly disillusioned. It's very unhelpful. And if you know people who do that, you should really ask them to stop doing it. It is not a crystal ball so that we can speculate that it's a vision from God to be alert and to anticipate his coming. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the great theme. Okay, I want to pose um, three questions, Becky, if you can... Yeah, you got that right. Here we are. Um, okay, number one, or A, how do you understand this thousand years? Could we? Yeah, there you are. And um, what's the best way of preparing for God's new order? We've highlighted that a bit. And... Um, what new perspectives do you have? I hope you've got a few from our brief study. So, three questions. Right, put your books away, pens down, exams over. Thank you. Right, who's going to volunteer? Um, Roger? Just checking. Okay, yes. Yeah, go on. Well done. Okay. Well, this is a minority report. Um, <laughs> no, well, I, I know. We've just sent one group out of the whole of the A. So, um, well, we're, we're not sure. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What? <laughs> we well, okay. Well, we take the thousand years as being symbolic. Right. Symbolic of a, an extended period of time. Um, we don't think we can be in it now because it talks about Satan being bound and we see Satan as being active in the current world um, and it says that um, the saints will reign with Christ for a thousand years so we're not sure not Right, sure okay, no, that's God. good, that's good This shows you the difficulty, doesn't it? Okay, um, and we've got uh, B, who's uh, giving a... Oh, well done Good for you. Oh, I was more volunteer than volunteering. <laughs> um, apart from uh, setting aside actually being a believer, one of God's people, because obviously when he comes back, only his people and his world will survive uh, the new order. Right. So apart from being his people, um, it was about being prepared ourselves about God's coming again right. and preparing others being more evangelical because if we ha were more aware on a daily basis that 
he is coming soon yeah how would that change our daily yeah. attitude um, and really maybe we should be more frightened somebody used the word right. um, or and even excited about right. what is going to come and that would change our everyday uh, actions and words good okay thank you uh, and where are we here oh Hilton you he's got jet lag so you won't make much sense and we'll see what happens <laughs> You back cover carry on. Well it might be said I don't make much sense anyway. <laughs> I think this group was particularly struck by the imagery in Revelation. Not that um, it is new, but each time we w read these words then the Im imagery has an even stronger effect than the time before. Um, and one of the things that uh, is uh, most clear is that despite trying very hard there are many things in this imagery that we have yet to understand but we concluded that we're not necessarily meant to understand all those things because it says at the beginning of the book that um, blessed are those who read and who um, adhere to these things and so maybe the point of it is uh, that we are not to expect to understand it just yet right. but by faith um, we uh, treat it as holy and true Good, thank you very much. Okay, right, well there you are, that's uh, a quick time outlet. Uh, I was almost tempted to, and Philip, you had, had, uh, alluded to this, uh, not so much um, what is, um, or how do you understand the millennium, but uh, when is it? And uh, that's an interesting uh, issue. Can I give these three classic views that most of you will know about, but some won't? We'll go through these very quickly. Um, the, the pre-millennialists, as they're called, sorry to use these terms, um, essentially would say that um, they, the, this interpretation that the return of Christ is thought as coming before um, the millennium, or sometimes referred to the, the tribulation, used interestingly. So you get this in chapter 19. Um, it's interesting, uh, the account, of course, of chaining Satan and setting up Christ's kingdom here on earth, and that, that time scale, is it symbolic, is it literal? Well, it's an interesting one. Um, and the whole issue of uh, a new heaven and a new earth, as we have it in uh, chapter 21. Um, I, I, well, I'll leave it for you to think about some more. Then there's this post-millennialist. Um, again, um, you, we have to respect different uh, understandings that people have different traditions. This is largely referred to in chapter 20. And the post-millennialists, as they're called, expect Christ's return to occur after post-millennium. And their understanding is that the thousand-year reign um, is still largely in the future a golden era, uh, far more triumphant than anything that the church has experienced thus far. This is um, less popular today than what it used to be. And then there's the classic one, the amillennialists, who really say, which uh, I have a sympathy with, that um, there is no millennium. Or, 
that actually the millennium is now. The millennium is the period from the crucifixion of Christ to his return. And people see that as the, the perfect number and that period, even though it's referred to as a thousand years, because it's symbolic, it's not literal, um, it's that period between Christ's first and second coming. And that's where the millennialists would take their cue. And you see it's the cross of Golgotha again that is seen from a heavenly perspective. Yes, the devil is still creating havoc, but he is a defeated foe. Yes, death ravages our lives. But death has a death sentence on it because of the cross. So that, is, that becomes the sort of the pivotal point in terms of looking back and looking forward. And it's hard for us to interpret time with us. Anyway, I thought we'd just have a, have a quick look at that. So in terms of a thousand years, because you see in Revelation 20, perhaps we can just have a look at this. Um, and in verses 1 to 6, uh, and for the sake of time, again, we won't read this, four times um, on each occasion, a thousand years is mentioned, so within verses 1 to 6, four times the thousand years is mentioned, with a different reference. Now there's a little conundrum for you. You see, look, look, I'll just, re I'll just uh, highlight them too if you want to read it. Verse 2, Satan bound for a thousand years. What does that mean? Verse 3, the nations are no longer being deceived. Verse 4, the resurrected saints reign with Christ. And verse 6, the resurrected, the people of God, serve as a kingdom of priests. So, come back again. How do we understand this thousand years? Well, you see the difficulty, how tricky it is to try to understand it. And what's the best way for preparing for God's new order? There is, perhaps, if I can use this word without being misunderstood, the cumulative eschatological fatigue. Yes, we believe the Lord's coming, but it's a long time coming. It's a long time coming. And then, this new perspective. Whatever else, as, as the book of Revelation comes to this climax, our response should be whether we are as happy today as we have ever been in all our life, we should still say, come Lord Jesus, your coming is not an intrusion upon my happiness, much less my sadness and difficulty. So, finally, the bright and morning star, chapter 22, verse 16. How incredible! When you think of our Lord's many parables, many parables about his kingdom and his coming and our Lord's teaching, even that seemed to fall on deaf ears. So there's hope for us. Why do I say that? Our only cross-reference tonight, uh, this evening, is uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Do you remember? He'd been teaching them, he'd been mentioning his coming and now at Pentecost pre-Pentecost Acts chapter 1 verse 
6 with all of that teaching and we think of how are we going to understand Revelation we're in good company with the disciples Acts 1 verse 6 when they met together they asked him Lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel and that's a window a very small window limited, narrowed, prejudiced and you often get that in the church as well unable to cope with change when the spirit begins to stir and work and he said to them it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and we just heard that Steve and Matilda are going out in Nepal and there's the, the scripture and the language of the people and God's kingdom continues to grow and extend and increase it's quite humbling isn't it but we are no better than the disciples and often we are preoccupied only with our little bit when the vision is always greater I hope we can grasp that so four sentences as we conclude when you look at these final chapters Revelation 21 verse 1 just look at that now <coughs> excuse me um, a universe reborn how do you picture that uh, Revelation 21 1 then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a voice from the throne saying now the dwelling is with God and look at verse 4 There's, we made reference to this earlier it's put in such positive negative terms he will wipe away every tear from their eyes that won't be part of that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away some people ever imagine what it is to live without the curse of, of cancer or pain or bereavement or depression quite something isn't it the universe is reborn imagine for some people say no arthritic limbs anymore no pain and secondly a church reunited a church reunited Revelation 21 and verse 11 for example it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel like a jasper clear as crystal and then you got these wonderful descriptions of the shape and so on the cube uh, the cube takes its shape from the Holy of Holies and the Holy of Holies was where the high priest was only able to go once in his life and then never again and even before he went into the Holy of Holies he had to cleanse himself and purify himself because of his imperfection now the Holy of Holies is the dwelling of the people of God it's a fascinating thing so it's a, it's a reminder of the Old Testament tabernacle the fellowship God coming down God meeting with us 
and without the problem of sin that blights that relationship. And then thirdly, paradise restored. We come to Revelation 22. Eden and, and all that was lost by what we call the fall, by the blight of sin, is now restored. And the tree of life is there. And it's for the healing of the nations. And it's not banished, nor are we banished. It's a reversal of all that took place. It would be fascinating to, uh, to think about that. What it would be like. I suppose Paul, the Apostle Paul, gets close to this when he says, You know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, heart has not conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Relationship. Intimacy human and divine restored and lastly this is what we refer to the bridegroom returns Revelation 22 7 12 and 20 three times come come Lord Jesus pour out your grace upon us it's quite wonderful isn't it Revelation complete and it closes with this invitation. How good and gracious is the Lord that even yet the door is open. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life the door is still open and we continue to come and the final sentence is the sort of prayer for grace to press on there you have it um, in verse um, <coughs> 20 he who testifies these things says yes I am coming soon Amen come Lord Jesus let's press on to that end for what we should remember the Lamb wins and it's a total reversal of power absolute power historically throughout the whole history of mankind has led to corruption. Absolute power with God leads to grace and love and peace. The Lamb wins. The Lamb wins. May we share in the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.